Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to another edition of Believe in Giants. Bob Popple along with two-time Super Bowl champion Carl Banks and uh, preseason game number one in the books didn't turn out the way the Giants would have liked it to with the loss in Detroit against the Lions, but there's positives and there's negatives. Carl, how are you today? I am good, Bob, and it's it's really cool that we can unpack this um, this game because a lot of the things that in players that Giant fans were kind of prospecting and, you know, this was a guy that was valuing my mock draft a year ago and these types of things. It's it's really good to have seen some of those players from a year ago and where they've progressed, some of the new players, some of the draft choices, and um, just the development uh, cycle for players in today's NFL that I really want to, because I spent some time with uh, Coach Dable talking about the development developmental cycle, a development cycle for offensive linemen. And, you know, I, it kind of, this conversation started because I had visited with uh, his old pal or still pal Mel Tucker at Michigan state, the head coach at Michigan state. And they were doing walkthroughs, you know, as part of their camp and um, just the development of your players. And it's, it's the way of the world now. So it's no use in saying, well, back when I played, we were two a days and we were, everybody's doing the same thing. Right. right? And uh, so the development, for players, and he said in particular offensive linemen, is tough because there used to be a process in training camp. You had a young guy, you say by the end of camp, which is four weeks, especially if you're you're teaching and you're coaching and he's after practice and you're you're doing certain things, his development should get him ready for something, right? Now it's almost starting over every practice because you don't have a chance to really work on fundamentals at full speed. So when we talked this off season, you know, I, I, I named one guy in particular, everybody was talking about Evan Neal, but I, I know Evan Neal's a worker and I knew he would be working uh, on his craft uh, and, and be on the same development track as Andrew Thomas. But Matt Pert was a guy that I said is very important that he continues to get better. Um, and he is not quite there yet. And I think this is what, going into his third year? Mm-hmm. He's not quite there yet. And that cycle, even with with today's standards, I would like to see him a little better. Right, I'd like to see him become that reliable swing tackle. And um, I think he's still got some ways to go. There's still time, but he's a guy that could be very important to this offensive line because he's better than the two that were out there at the end of the game, but not quite good enough, in my opinion. Now, they coach him every day. I can, you know, I can sit and watch him um, and see some things about him that I say, boy, I wish he could get better and play at a, a top-tier backup level so that if a guy goes down, 
they they don't have to worry about the type of plays they call. And I don't think um, Matt gives them that. He doesn't give me the comfort level. I don't know. I haven't talked to their coaches, but I'd like to see him better at it because he's got ability. And I'm not saying he's a piece of crap either, but I'd like to see his progression a little more advanced at this stage of his career and not settle for being whatever he is because he's, he's athletic, he's big, he's long. And I think he's willing, um, but I, he's gotta, gotta get that progression because you need one more tackle that if God forbid any of those, you know, Evan or, or AT goes down that you throw him in there and you can still run your offense without fear of a major breakdown. And that's, they don't have that guy right now. I think on the inside of their offense, they have some options, but on the outside, not quite yet. So there's a couple of things I want to get to here. Um, you know, I thought watching the one-on-ones against the Lions and watching them play, I thought uh, Tyree Phillips played pretty well. I thought he did a really nice job. I was impressed with what he did. He got a little dinged up, so he was unavailable, which is a shame for him. Uh, you know, I wanted to see Evan Neal in the one-on-ones and get the work in, but he had gotten the concussion, so he was kind of out. He was off on the side. And then Devery Hamilton got nicked up, so they weren't able to play in the game. There was a whole bunch of players that didn't play because of injury, slight injury, or injury management, like Sterling Shepard. It's part of his rehabilitation coming back. This was all plotted ahead. Same with Darian Beavers. Um, look, Corey Cunningham did nothing to earn a spot on the roster last night, right? I mean, he's going to have to right. really pick it up or the Giants will be looking to make a trade with somebody or the waiver wire for a swing tackle. And, and I want to say one thing about Wyatt Davis, who really, you know, struggled at the right tackle spot in that fourth quarter. You know, he was out there by necessity. I'm not trying to make excuses for him. But the guy has been a guard his whole career. Not that he's got a lot of games under his resume, but he's been a guard. He was playing tackle because Tyree Phillips wasn't available, because Devery Hamilton wasn't available, because Evan Neal wasn't available even earlier to get out there had he been able to play. So he was in a little bit of a tough spot. I, you know, I'm not trying to like uh, rationalize you know away a bad performance, but it was almost like. He was almost like a pitcher in baseball when the team is like getting slaughtered and it's the fourth inning and you don't want to burn through your bullpen where, you know, you just somebody's got to take the hit for the team. Mm. And like he was out there kind of trying his best, but obviously yeah. he's not one of those guys that's going to be a guard and tackle for you. Well, but the thing is him having experience there, right? Understanding the calls. Now he's he's the emergency emergency guy. Um, if you if you can imagine that, that's like you go through your roster. You know, you find out who played quarterback in high school. You find out who mm-hmm. played running back in high school, right? Um, and it's just like the wide receiver the Giants have played linebacker for two years of his career, and then he switched to wide receiver. Yeah, the tight end. Tight end. So you want to find out these things just in case there's an emergency and you have a rash of injuries, who can you put in, right? You know, you can't run everything with him, but that's the experience that he's now getting. And yeah, I mean, listen, and they, they learned a lot about a lot of people last night. Um, 
you know, because we traveled with the team and we stayed in the team hotel and we were on the buses and we were in and around the hotel and the, the place to eat in the hotel and all that other stuff, you know, I got a chance to spend like an evening with Wink Martindale. And, you know, obviously he's not giving away, you know, his trade secrets because it's especially, you know, you can talk to him differently than I can former player. You talk a more similar language, but you know, he was very excited about what he's seen at a Pinnock so far in camp. Mm -hmm. You know, a player that the Jets didn't really want to lose. They were hoping to sneak him through waiver wires, but because the Giants had joined practices with the Jets, they got a good look at him. They had a good scouting report on him coming out of college, and he was a nice waiver pickup. And, yeah, he showed some of those flashes, right, in that first quarter yes. in the game. You know, yes. those are the kind of things that win your job. I meant to bring this up on the telecast, and I was really upset that I didn't bring it up during the broadcast, but you being a proud Michigan State man, um, you know, to talk a little bit about that visit to Michigan State, because you mentioned Mel Tucker. Mm -hmm. uh, Mel Tucker was a defensive coordinator in the National Football League. He was with the Cleveland Browns uh, with a bunch of different teams. Now he's the head coach at your alma mater. But, uh, you know, you mentioned some of the things that you learned and he and Dable know each other. Yeah. I haven't been yeah. on the same staff, but uh, yeah. it really there's a lot of correlations between how the, they prep the college kids and how the pros have to be handled now. Yeah. So, um, you know, I have, and Coach Tucker, I hadn't been back to uh, Michigan State, Bob, in probably 15 years and really didn't feel like it was that welcoming, um, you know, towards the latter, uh, the former coach's latter uh, tenure, latter part of his tenure. But I, I came back and, you know, I was welcomed with open arms and, uh, one of my high school uh, buddies, we grew up in the same neighborhood. He's younger than me. He's like a little brother. He's on the coaching staff. So you got all of that. But you know, I'm talking to his name is Courtney Hawkins, talking to Courtney Hawkins. And then I, I spent about 45 minutes just in the coach. Once we got off the field, I went and sat in his office and, um, and we just start talking and they have this this phrase, what's your burn, right? And that's what they tell their young players. What are you, what is your burning desire? Why do you do this? Right. And and I talked to coach and and, and I was talking to uh Courtney and I said, you know, the biggest challenge now as I look at the way the game is played, and that that includes the whole process of uh, you know, in week preparation and then game day. I said, there's the things that used to be important is assignments and um, you know, hustle and things like that. But now you can walk through your assignments and you can say, yeah, 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 I got it. And you can feel great about your walkthroughs. But you really don't know how your players will respond on game day. You know, uh, there's, in college sports, the elite, ten, let's say 10% of football players. You know what they're going to be from week to week. They're just going to go out there and light it up. But then you got the other 90% that you got to get good or very good in order to compete. And the question is, what do you do as a staff? Or how do you work on the mental toughness? of your team. You can't gauge mental toughness in walkthroughs. 
You can't gauge mental toughness by walking through the locker room and, and you know, kind of gauging who's doing the rah-rah. Because the danger that you have, and this is at every level now, the danger that you have is that once you take those pads off for four days, five days, and then you put them back on, what person are you getting? Are you getting walkthrough Carl? Or are you getting game day Carl? And say you start off with game day Carl and he gets hit in the mouth. Does he have the mental toughness to do all the things that you've been talking about and you've been preaching about? Or does he go back into walkthrough Carl and say, you know what, screw this. And that's a challenge for every coach right now at every level. They've got their 10% guys, you know, around every league, there's 10% elite there. You know what they're going to be. But they're guy, and they're they're so easily distracted. You know, the college, the pro, and the high schooler, they're easily distracted. They got a lot of toys. They even got like you should see the locker rooms now. It's just incredible. But you know, I was talking to, and that was you know one of the things that led Debo to talk to me about the development of of offensive linemen. But the challenge now is the mental toughness of your football team, and you've got to constantly work on it without having. Uh, any sample size during the course of the week can't hit. If you hit one day, you can't hit again for another week. Hmm. So, you know, once you, the pads are off and they got all of these monitors, right? They can say when you're tired, when to ramp you up, when to ramp you down. But football is a contact sport. Football is a violent sport. Football takes mental toughness to be good as a collective. Not as that one guy who's in your 10%, your alpha. You've got to have a collective of mentally tough football players. And that's what's making the difference in some of the better teams at every level of, of football in the average teams. And you that's the challenge of coaches now. And we had we saw two examples in the game in the game in Detroit where no matter what tempo you're practicing at, no matter the intensity that you're practicing at, uh, no matter how up-tempo your practices are or anything. Um, in today's NFL, and again, all 32 teams are dealing with it, there are situations that cannot be replicated outside of a preseason game. I mean, you can run your two-minute and all that other stuff, but it's still not the same as the actual game, and we saw the Giants in goal line on defense. Mm -hmm. We saw the Giants in a short-yarded situation where we showed Dable coming to the sideline and barking at the offensive lineman and using very colorful adjectives along with it, but the message was get your pads down. They failed at that point because their pads weren't. You In today's NFL, that does not happen in practice. You can only get You can only talk about it. Right. You, so they only – the only grade those players are going to get, no matter how many times they run goal line in practice, this is the grade that's going to count because this yep. is the one that was for real. Yep. The other thing is, uh, you know, look, I thought there were a lot of things to be positive about. I thought Dable told us a really cool story during the production meeting about how he talked to all the, the rookies and rookie free agents about what they were about to get into. Mm-hmm. That night. And then he had Saquon and Dexter, Leonard Williams, and a couple veteran players address. And Daniel. Yeah. Yeah. Address the first 
NFL game experience. And, and he even made the point. He goes, hey, look, for some of you guys, you're going to run out of that tunnel. It's not going to be like when you were running out of the tunnel in an SEC game or a Big Ten game, you know, with a hunt. Mm-hmm. But there is going to be a different intensity level. And then how do you manage the nerves and how do you relax and play? I thought the two rookie corners looked like they belonged. Wow. I mean, did you. they make some mistakes? Of course. Yeah, but corners uh, in general will have a mistake or two. But can I just uh, – the the first challenge that came at Trey Hawkins, his coverage was text. That was veteran-level coverage. It was the interception, but like I said on air, the Hawk had it covered. I mean, he – that was as good as you – that was pro-level coverage. Um, Deontay Banks, same thing. And I think his biggest challenge now is finishing at the end of routes when he has them covered, make sure he competes for every football, and I think he did that. But I'll tell you the other thing that was super impressive – they both were very good tacklers. Physical. Uh, went up into, do I call it, ran into the fire and made a tackle. So they were they were good. But I'll tell you the other guy. And so, so Giant fans feel great about these draft choices because you're seeing for the first time in a long time Guys who can actually play the game that were, were selected wherever they were selected. Um, yeah, I thought JMS, Schmitz held up pretty well, considering. JMS, he's getting a lot of reps, which he'll need them because he's going to be their day one center. It just looks like it's trending that way. If he stays healthy, boy, he has good hands. He's got good quickness, um, good lateral movement. Now, for him, the level of competition is going to continue to go up, right? There's going to be the Flexure Coxes of the world. But you know what else? He's getting the repetition so he can see a lot of these things. And he's got Dexter Lawrence in practice. And um, he'll he'll be able to work through some things, but getting the necessary reps to get him ready for uh, week one is going to be important. And I think he held up really good. Uh, because, again, of injury management, and part of the rehab process, uh, we didn't see Darian Beavers, who's been practicing. But Dable told us during the production, look, for the guys that are coming off injuries from last year, there is a set schedule that has been pre-planned out. And barring any setbacks, this is how we were going to handle it. I'm assuming Beavers will probably play in the game against Carolina. I'm just guessing. He didn't tell us that one way or another. Um, but, I, you know, as Okereke is still learning the system, and he has to you know understand. Though, Bob, I, I don't, I don't like the phrase "Okereke still learning the system." I think he's just, he's a brilliant mind, football mind. I think he's got it. He's out there as their leader. I think he's got it. I just think they need to find a companion for him, and they're going to keep him. They want to keep Bobby O healthy, um, but I don't think he's at the stage now. Of I think that was pro- probably during OTAs. Uh, but I think he's seen enough football and has a good grasp on defensive um, schematics that he he he's probably feels comfortable right now in Wink's defense. 
Yeah. And then now it's just getting out there and doing it. And I think yeah. that, well, that was going to be my next question is the partner. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think they had some high expectations for Jared Davis, the former lion who they had elected to bring back, but he's gone for the year with an injury. So now Beavers is getting an opportunity. Um, you know, Micah McFadden is Carter in that Coughlin. mix. Carter Coughlin. Uh, um, it's going to be interesting to see how that whole thing sort of shakes up or if that's going to be something where they're going to have to cr- get creative and not necessarily have that solid guy next to O'Carroll. Well, they need a solid guy uh, because what they have is a great rotation in their defensive line now where teams can't schedule runs when Dexter and Leo are off the field. They've got guys behind them that are really good, which means that your linebackers jobs will be a lot easier, but they still have jobs to do. And um, my how hope about, is how that- about Dable's quote about Ashawn Robin Ashawn Robinson when we were talking <laughs> to him in the production meeting because he's the oldest twenty eight year old I've ever met. Yeah, and he meant it in a good way. Yeah, like he's like you would have thought this guy's like been in the league for fifteen years and is like a thirty eight year old veteran. He yeah. goes, that's the kind of maturity he brings to the room. Yeah, I mean, and that's what you need. And so when you have those types of players up front, you've got to have dependable linebackers. You don't have to be great. They got a really, really, really good one in uh, Bobby O'Karake. Beavers is a thumper. Right now, he's kind of still feeling feeling his way back because I don't see the assertiveness yet, but I think just like most people who come off of knee injuries, there's that one breakthrough moment where they say, okay, I can just go ahead and do everything I normally do. Uh, but he he's moving fine. He just doesn't seem like he's that downhill thumper uh, yet, but I, I'm, I'm sure he will be. Bet Online is your number one source for betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, matchups, reports, baseball, boxing, golf, more. Bet online continues to be the fastest, easiest way to place your wages, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games as well. Do it right from your phone. Head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, and get in on the action. Remember, use the promo code Believe B L E A V, and you will receive a fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. Um, one other thing that I was thinking about just in digesting the game. You know, you go there to practice, and there's some people that are at practice every single day, whether they work with the team or they cover the team yeah, um, or they work with the team and cover the team, whatever the case might be. And, you know, I heard a lot of negative stuff about Tommy DeVito. You know, he's just – he's in here for camp. He's really – he does not know how to play quarterback on the NFL level, and, you know, I don't even know if he's really a project and – had some people say to me, you know, I can't believe that the Giants went into camp with only three quarterbacks and the third one being Tommy DeVito, not somebody with a little bit more pedigree or upside. Did I take the cheese a little bit? I don't know. I would watch some practices. He's getting limited reps. I saw um, I saw one day of practice two weeks ago, whatever. He made a couple good throws, and I mentioned to the person that I was watching practice standing next to, and they're like, He's all, he's not good. He's just not good. Like, the, yeah, and it, it, he's going to, he's going to be playing. When Dable told us 
in the production meeting that he wanted Tyrod to have maybe two series mm-hmm. or if they had a really productive eight play drive first series, he's coming out. Breed is coming out. A handful of guys are coming out and it's all Tommy DeVito. And we, he was asked in the production meeting, he said, well, we'll see. Well, they clearly have coached him up and there's a little bit more to his game than the, than the novice, uh, <laughs> personnel evaluators out there watching from the stands or even from the sidelines you with a pen in there. No shit. That's what I'm going to say. You don't what stop being super smart and be more observant and receptive. Get information. Don't be the freaking expert. That's the problem. A lot of you decide that this guy can't play. You don't know shit because you don't know what they're using him for or how they're developing him. You didn't know before last night, I doubt very seriously if any one of these experts, whether they're outside on the Twitter space or inside in the giant space who decided that this guy wasn't worth a damn, I will guarantee you, you never had a conversation with Joe Shane, Mike Kafka, or Brian Dable as to what they like about him and what he could do. Because when you have those conversations, then you can start to evaluate based on what they like about him, what they see in him, and what his skill set is. Because if you have those conversations, instead of being the know-it-all, because you're smarter than a GM, you learn more. Because they'll say, well, you know, Tommy DeVito, he's, he's, he's mobile, he's got a pretty good arm, and throws good timing routes. And his vertical ball, mid-range, pretty good. Looked like he did all those last night, right? But if you don't take the time to ask the people who acquired the talent, that evaluated the talent, then you really don't know shit. And you're just spinning. You're spinning hot air, and it's you're doing yourself a disservice. So, look, go ahead. They, no, I was going to say, and and listen, even those people went into last night eyes wide open sure figuring well now it's going to be for real under the lights in a game situation let's see if some of the things that we've seen out of them translate because there's been a million cases of guys that are unknown quantities that maybe the coaching staff likes look there's a lot of people that like brock purdy in the niners organization last year he was mr irrelevant he was the last pick in the draft that means mm-hmm. that 31 other teams passed on him and the Niners passed on him a bunch of times. Sure. But there was something there that they saw and they liked and they thought that they can develop. Now, I'm not saying that Tommy DeVito is going to turn into Brock Purdy or anything. I'm putting this all in context because then you have to see what happens when the lights go on. And there's been a million cases of guys that the teams like the skill set, like the decision-making, and then the lights go on in a game. And it's just a massive scatter, train wreck, big mm-hmm. pile of hot you-know-what. But it didn't turn out that way last night. Right. And I will make the case that over the years, in their quest to find backups for Eli Manning, when the Giants would draft quarterbacks in mid to late rounds, 
I can honestly make the case that Tommy DeVito looked better in his preseason game than a whole bunch of guys that in the past the Giants have drafted in fourth, Kyle Aletta, fourth rounder, and some other guys that they drafted later that never looked as poised and as kind of aware of what was going on in their first preseason game than this kid looked last night. In the, okay, so we're there. We're not canonizing him. We're not no. even saying that he's going to be uh, on the NFL roster. But what he did I'll use the Parcells night, line. You know, like, don't put him in Canton yet. He's not yeah. going to fit him for the gold jacket. I'm not even fitting him for a blue giant jacket yet. A not blue Carl blue Banks giant starter jersey. giant. Right. But what we but what we did see and what he can take a lot of uh, confidence in is he gave himself another chance to get better, to be an NFL quarterback. Because he showed that he knows how to play the game. Now, he missed some reads um, because his, his clock was probably a little accelerated when he knew his tackles weren't holding up and he had a couple misreads. But what he did is showed them that he can stay another week in training camp, right? And he can, and, and here's the thing. Tyrod Taylor may not play but two series next week either. So he's going to get even more reps. And so it's going to be interesting to see. He, he took good care of the football. You can tell he takes good coaching. And I'm going to just say this, in this kind of partitioning, his pro debut, and just and putting the wall there and saying kudos to his parents, the folks at Bosco, because it starts at that level before they even get to college. Um, I got a chance to meet his mother and father. They were a nervous wreck, right? Um, but clearly they've instilled some things in him and he's played in enough big time football games where his nerves, he kind of gets it right now. They might blitz him a few times next week and, you know, rattle his cage a bit. But what he's done, what he's done is guaranteed himself another opportunity this week to show that he's qualified to be an NFL quarterback. But, you know, just the fact he's a Jersey kid, so I like him. But the fact that, you know, he's, he's come through some big time programs. Um, I think that helps. Right. Um, but I think it also comes down to, you know, his, 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 his family encouragement, in, in, in helping him develop as a young man. So, you know, kudos to them and, you know, not just them, but all the, all the families, but we're talking about this young quarterback who, you know, most people didn't think had a chance and he's, he's showing you why, you know, he deserves another week on the NFL roster in a camp. Right. I mean, and let's face it, he didn't turn the ball over with the exception of the last play of the game where it's fourth and 14 and you can't take a sack. You can't check it down. You hope one of your guys can make that? a play or you get a call. Think about that. That's football IQ. You, you're you down. You got to win the game. It's fourth down. You can't take a sack. Game's over with, right? Um, and he throws. He tries to give somebody a chance. He throws it up there. But that's just – that's thinking the game of football. And, yeah, and, and with all the pressure that he was under and the sacks that he took, he didn't fumble. When he was under pressure – and he was getting chased. How many times do you see a rookie free agent quarterback playing in the first NFL game with a guy chasing him from behind 
get a hand in there and knock the ball out. He, none of that happened for him. And, you know, he made some throws when it mattered. I mean, he put that ball on, uh, you know, the rookie free agent wide receiver, you know, on that third down pass, oh, he, yeah. as you said on the telecast, he hit him right between the six. We hit yeah. him right in the middle of the six. Oh, Got- yeah. So anyway, that, you know, that's been the whole podcast. And, and look, folks, we're not, again, we're only talking about the things that quarterbacks should be able to do. So he's not the exception, but what he's showing you is he is doing the things that real quarterbacks should be able to do. Yeah. Good for him. Good yeah. for him. Um, <clears throat> Hey, look, this podcast is not all about Tommy DeVito. We want to give him a kudos. Um, you know, and a- any other takeaways from what you saw last night in the joint practices before we, you know, uh, put this to bed. And then obviously next week, it's, uh, it's going to be another big week of work. Yeah. I don't know how Dable is going to handle the, the Carolina game. We'll find out, but I'm guessing that if there's a game that you are going to play some of your frontline guys or more of your frontline guys, I'm guessing this is the game. Yeah. Um, but um, anything, any other takeaways? No, tell a friend to tell a friend. Uh, Giants got good players. Um, didn't see a lot from uh, Jalen Wyatt, but because they legislated against it, he was, uh, he saw some bracket coverage uh, and they saw him all week. So I kind of, I, I think they kind of felt his speed and they're like, we're not turning this kid loose. Yeah. And, and, and Dable has not addressed the media. I don't know. Uh, I don't know what the status is at this point. Maybe I can, maybe I can check on it. I hope that Colin Johnson and whatever knee situation that forced him out of the game, hopefully he had something happen to his knee and then it just, he was out of the game for precautionary reasons because I'm rooting for him to at least get a legitimate shot Mm -hmm. because he was going to start over Kenny Galladay last year, the way it was trending. He was yeah. a big physical receiver that did, you know, like Galladay, was not going to run away from anybody. So he was going to have the same role. He had the same skill set as Galladay as far as size, physique, and how you can use him. And he was outperforming him tremendously last year until the non-contact Achilles. And I know I know he's worked really hard to get back. And I, I really wanted to see him in the game last night. And I don't know what – I don't know what – the statuses of his knee injury that kept him out of the game. Yeah. Well, hopefully he'll, he'll be able to um, play this year and, and not have to deal with back-to-back season ending injuries. Yeah. Well, he's going to have to make the team because that's a crowded room yeah. and watching 13. Cole Beasley get open. And then even watching Crowder, Crowder yeah. get open. It's they're going to have some tough decisions. They really will, and and Beasley brings more than just his ability, which he can clearly still play the game, but his knowledge of the offense and his leadership, and his understanding of of how to play this game within this system, uh, is invaluable to the the, the group of receivers. All right, we'll be back at some point next week. Make sure you uh, tell a friend to tell a friend, Carl. As always, it's been a pleasure. It has. You've been watching this edition of Believe in Giants. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.